went to the small town of the foothills of the Himalayas and we started a business there. And so we had this building where like the first floor is, is the company and the second floor is an apartment. And we had 11 employees. My brother was there at the time. I was in the US and there's a knock at the door. We were told you're going to get a shakedown from the police because that's just how it works. It's coming. And there's, there's a knock on the door. My brother answers, it's the police. And they say, we need to see your papers. So he gives them the papers and like, these are the wrong papers. And he's like, okay, you know, what do you want? And instead of asking for the bribe, they put him in handcuffs and they throw him in jail. Oh my so, gosh. <laughs> oh so, no. So he's talking to the chief of the police and the chief of police says like, look, these could be the right papers. I don't know. You have two choices. One, you can leave town tomorrow. Two, you can sit in jail and wait for the magistrate to come and the magistrate will sort this out. My brother goes, well, when does the magistrate come? And the chief of police goes, I don't know. Yo, 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 yo. Welcome to Find Your Freedom, the best entrepreneurship podcast. Being an entrepreneur is hard. That's why we created findyourfreedompod.com to compile all the resources you need to find your own freedom. And be sure to sign up for our newsletter for all the tips and tools you need for aspiring entrepreneurs. Welcome, Kyle. We are so excited to have you on today, all the way coming to us from Thailand. Oh, thanks for having me. Good to be here. Glad I, glad I made it to this. <laughs> <laughs> us too. Thanks for being flexible. Touch and go there for a minute. Touch and go. Kyle, I think that it's really cool to start out. Let's start with a huge win. Uh, before we start the podcast today, you were telling us about uh, your first big exit, how you ended up in Thailand. Can you give our audience a little, little quick intro to your life right now? Uh, sure. So um, I, I have an agency. We have offices in Phoenix, uh, Berlin, Melbourne, and now uh, Jamaica in Kingston. Uh, I'm the co-founder of Page Optimizer Pro, which is an on-page SEO tool. And we've been doing that since uh, 2017, 2018. And then I'm the co-founder of Internet Marketing Gold, or IMG Courses. It's a place for courses, and it's also a place where they run tests on Google's algorithm and publish that. And uh, yeah, as we were saying, I live in I live in Thailand. I live in Chiang Mai. Um, Chiang Mai is a small city that's all the way up in the north. By flight, it's only 50 minutes from Bangkok, but by car, it takes about nine hours. Oh, the roads wow. are <laughs> The roads aren't, aren't quite the roads. <laughs> There's a lot of infrastructure. There's a, great, a lot of great infrastructure in Thailand uh, with like, you know, the internet's blazing fast. It's all 5G and, um, you know, electricity is great. And it's, it's, uh, there are different categories of country, but it's not, not even a developing. It's like one that's like just below what they would consider, I think. It's a cusper. Yeah. I've been through Chiang Mai. It's definitely, it seemed like such a cool place to be. And I love how you, um, kind of, uh, you were telling me that you kind of took a touring, uh, through all of the countries you were interested in living in and set up speaking gigs in each spot to do a little due diligence and, uh, see if it was the right spot for your country. Like, all of those types of things I think are just like so interesting. And I love that. Uh, I think our audience would really be interested in that. I think you're being um, uh, not appropriately um, uh, sharing how you are really the SEO king. So through Doug and my due diligence, like every um, every time we're doing keywords searching around, Kyle Roof name was coming up. So not <laughs> all the different businesses you have and all the different funnels that you have set up. Uh, can you tell us kind of how you started in the business and uh and how you've gotten to this point i really hope you didn't click on anything because there's no escape now i'm in the the multiple multiple funnels (laughs) oh man you're in trouble there there's you will be giving me money at some point there's there's no escape there's absolutely no escape um yeah uh, originally i was a lawyer uh was what i was doing beforehand and um I, i was a trial attorney so i did divorce custody and support and criminal defense and I really just decided I'd rather chew on shards of broken glass than do one more divorce. Um, and so brutal. 
So, and my wife, um, we were married at the time, but um, she was also a trial attorney and she also was kind of dissatisfied with her job. And so we packed up and we moved to South Korea and we started teaching English to kindergartners, which is no a real way. Wow. A to, B, a to B kind of business or career move there. Yeah. Um, while there, uh, we started a business. So our one year sabbatical turned into five. And I think we realized we weren't going back to law. Um, and I started a company while I was there. And that company needed a really complex website. And I, um, it took a long time to find enough devs that could really do this. And then I realized, you know, there aren't websites like that are this complica- complicated. You know, most are not. And I was like, I bet I could start general contracting websites. So that's what I started doing. Um, do you want the short version of this or the long version? <laughs> no, this is all super interesting. Yeah, now fast forward to us. What, that was what, 2014, 2015? Is that, that's right. Uh, 2013, 2014. I brought my brother into the company because uh, he does web design and development. And um, we're humming along and I got the bright idea. I was like, hey, you know, we've got all these freelancers in India. Why don't we just go to India? We'll open up a company there and uh, we'll be able to like get everybody together. We can get more hours out of them. There'll be our employees. We'll be more productive and more cost effective. And so that's what we did. Uh, we went to the small town of the foothills of the Himalayas and uh, we, started a bu- we started a business there. And so we had this building where like the first floor is the company and the second floor is an apartment. And um, we had 11 employees. My brother was there at the time. I was in the U.S. And there's a knock at the door. We were told you're going to get a shakedown from the police because that's just how it works. It's coming. There's a, knock, there's a knock on the door. My brother answers, it's the police. And they say, we need to see your papers. So he gives them the papers. and like, these are the wrong papers. And he's like, okay, you know, what do you want? And instead of asking for the bribe, they put him in handcuffs and they throw him in jail. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, so, no. So he's talking to the chief of the police and the chief of police says like, look, these could be the right papers. I don't know. You have two choices. One, you can leave town tomorrow. Two, you can sit in jail and wait for the magistrate to come and the magistrate will sort this out. My brother goes, well, when does the magistrate come? And the chief of police goes, I don't know. And so my brother's like, I think I'll leave town tomorrow then. So he runs back. He grabs what he can. Our employees have fled because they don't want any part of this. We get him out of the U.S. and we start hemorrhaging clients because we don't have people that can get this done and we can't replace them fast enough. My brother goes, look, I can take these four clients because he can code. He's like, I can do their projects and that'll get me going. And I don't code. And um, we had just started doing this thing that I heard about called SEO. <laughs> and we had these contracts. And I, and I basically, I had to learn SEO that day so I could pay the rent next month. So I, so I could keep those clients and actually do something. And, so this was uh, like a one-day crash course. Just about. Like, it, yeah. it was one of the things that I was really like, how to SEO and then like, <laughs> <laughs> if there was only a website that you could go to that would actually give you a course to teach you SEO someone should think of that idea <laughs> See, I solved my own problem I knew there would be somebody else that would have gotten a shakedown from the police but then, well, it turned out I wasn't bad at it in fact I was pretty good at it and uh, um, I was able to figure some things out um, one of the biggest things was you know, when, when you do that search, is this a ranking factor? And you get like three yeses and three noes and three maybes. And you're like, that's not useful. Um, I realized like, oh, people are running their own test sites. And so I started running my own test sites. And then I was like, well, you know, it's not just enough to like put it up. I want to try to like experiment here and, and see if I can't figure something out. And so I developed a method for uh, testing the algorithm. In um, 2015, I spoke at my first conference and it was a real high level conference. Uh, at this particular time, there were only about 40, 50 people in the conference. It was kind of collaborative in the sense of like people could talk to you while you're on the stage. And I really thought uh, I'm going to give this presentation on how I'm doing my SEO tests. And I'm going to like, this is what I'm doing. What are you guys doing? We're going to have this back and forth. And about five minutes in the talk, I realized like nobody's doing this. Like no one at all is doing it in this way. 
And uh, that's when I really feel like I had something in terms of I can make this my style. I, I, I approach things from a scientific standpoint, from a mathematical standpoint, and that's what I'm going to present. And then eventually, um, a couple of years later, I got uh, a U.S. patent on the method uh, for testing if something is or is not a ranking factor in Google. And that really became a differentiating point for us in the agency. Because I had the agency at that point. It was, um, we are a scientifically based um, SEO agency, and this is how we do our SEO. Essentially, we run tests on Google's algorithm over here rather than running tests on your sites. You know, we learned it over here. We don't learn how to do it on your site. And that, when we were starting out, allowed us to have a real differentiating factor that even though maybe we didn't have the most experience, we had all of this going on. We were able to, I think, land clients that were um, better than we deserved. Yeah, there's such a huge trust factor with that, uh, saying that you have the patent and it kind of like adds credence to the fact like, yeah, we are scientific. Look, we're already, you know, got a patent pending or a patent approved. That's such a cool angle to take. I love that. It was it was big. And we, we would say things like, you know, I, we know you're talking to other agencies. Ask them what tests they're running right now. Ask them for some results on the tests that they're doing. And then and, and we knew the answer would be they don't have any. And then that would be a big thing. It's like, hey, we can show you our tests. We can show you what we're doing. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, that's nice when you can send them to the competitors uh, with a question that you know uh, the, the competitors are going to get stop, stumped on. Um, what, as I was listening to you talk, there was like, you know, um, it sounds like you're just like a natural born serial entrepreneur. Um, but I wanted to back up a second and go with you to South Korea. So you and your wife, you hang up your... Uh, your attorney gigs and uh, head out to South Korea to, to teach English. So were, were you really just going out there to teach English or did you kind of have an inkling like, we're going to go out here and see what type of business opportunities there were? No, it was really- It was kind of burnout? Find, yeah, yeah, let's find the lowest level of responsibility possible. And, wow. Um, and uh, just take a year off for ourselves. And we really wanted to travel through Asia because we- What a courageous thing to do. Let me, let me- talk to that point it was interesting i i felt when people said like hey that is you know create uh, like brave of you to go it, it felt just kind of like this is the right thing to do but what i moved when i moved three years ago to thailand a lot of people said that oh you're so brave uh to move your family out there and i was like you know it's not bravery it's selfishness my life is going to be better there uh i'm leaving you behind you know <laughs> that's, that's what's going on here it's not um bravery at all because we had had the, the experience we had and all the travel that I've been doing. And I just knew like our lives will be so much better there. It's, it's not bravery at all. It is just selfishness and, and, and trying to live a better life. I think it's just so hard for the rest of us who are just like, you know, so used to living in California myself, just specifically in Southern California, my entire life. So to think of young Kyle moving, you know, to the other side of the globe, um, is, uh, seems really brave and courageous to me. But I did want to, again, zoom in a little bit there. So you're teaching English and um, had you had you run a business or started a business prior to this time in your life? Um, I was the kind of guy that was always working an angle to make some money, you know, and, uh, and mowing the lawns and doing this or that and odd jobs and, and getting things going. But um, when I started practicing law, I was actually able to do an office share with my father, who was an attorney. Essentially, that means I started my own practice from day one. And in doing that, you do really learn how to run a business. Now, what was fortunate for me is I had training wheels on because my father was running a successful practice right. and really showed me how to do it. And um, I was able to get in with no capital, essentially. And um, 
uh, I was basically renting a room from him is kind of the, the, the best way to describe it. And then, right. um, sharing the office resources and it was a, it was a sweetheart deal, no doubt about it. But in addition to kind of setting that up, he also showed me how to run the business and that was very beneficial. Uh, cause running an agency isn't too different from running a, um, from running a, a private practice and really yeah, business, any business. business. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the money in has to be better than the money going out. And... <laughs> so take us to that time in, in South Korea. So what's that first business opportunity that presents itself? Um, how did it, how did it come into play? You know, what were your thoughts? What were you going through, uh, during that time? Um, and so all the kids in South Korea, after they go to regular school, go to more private school and they do, um, not just say English, but they do all the courses. So they'll go to a math class, they'll go to a science class. They'll go to an English class. They'll do sports and stuff like that. But they'll probably do three, four, five, sometimes six more hours of school. And so you have all these private schools that accommodate that. And um, so we started a um, a, a private school uh, teaching English. But the angle that we went for, though, because you can't just do that, right? Uh, <laughs> the angle that we went for is that I realized that in California, we could open up a high school. And uh, uh, the way the California laws are, are, are set up, you can you can become a high school. And so that's what we did. And then we got, um, agreements with some community colleges in California that they would accept students that took our, our program and got a high school diploma. So in the end, we actually got 13 kids, I think into, um, university in the United States. But what they're doing is they're doing their program in English all in South Korea. And then they would get their degree and then they'd go to the U S. Um, but again, that was kind of creating that differentiating factor wow. of, um, We've got these connections. Sounds like a lot of paperwork for that. <laughs> yeah, it was. And um, in the end, my heart wasn't in that. And I think that was the biggest reason to let it go was like, you know, we could work this, but it, that's just not anything that I want to be my forever job. Yeah, this once again kind of goes back to a very like common pattern that we've heard from entrepreneurs is they just start tinkering. You know, they, uh, you know, it sounds like you were feeling some real emotions of kind of exhaustion and frustration at the job that you went to massive schooling for the thing that you thought you'd be doing your whole life ended up not being something that satisfied you and then you just start tinkering and i think you know you downplay a little bit but it's it does sound like you know it does take a lot of courage to just say like you know what i went to a lot of school potentially got some debt um to do this one thing but it's not working out i'm gonna just you know take some risks here and start tinkering around so you took a little break just teaching English, but once you felt, um, you know, healthy of mind again, you just start trying some stuff and they, and the, it's usually the first things you tinker with aren't the things that work out. And then you kind of stumble up onto the ideas like, oh, I'm good at this and there's a business here. Um, can you try to talk us through how those roads kind of intersected? Well, that that's exactly right. I mean, so as we're building out the website for the school and for that program, which was, as I said, I said very complex, um, that led into like, Hey, I've got this really solid core of developers and I think I can build websites for people. It's like, everyone needs a website. Right. And I think, um, I think I just started posting jobs on like Elancer at the time and, you know, bidding on jobs to see what we could get. And then some came through and it started to work, you know, it started to grow. And then, um, but you're, you're exactly right. And that, uh, I think I was able to shut my brain off for about a year, not even quite, but at least that first semester through, I was able just to be like, so I, I get here at nine and I leave at about <laughs> four and I don't take any of this work home. Like, like that was, that was, uh, that was nice. But, um, that was probably a semester I'd say that I did that. And I was like, okay, I think I need to start 
my brain doesn't shut off. I'm sure you guys are the same way. You know, and I start thinking about angles and I start thinking about how does that work and how can you make money doing this or can you make money doing that? And then the next thing you know, uh, we're, we're partnering with a Korean business partner. We're opening up a high school in California. Oh man. One of, one of the cool things that kind of sticks out from that is like you, you're an attorney and probably just burning the midnight oil, ground, grinding around the clock and you're trying to bill hours and you know, there's so much time and it's so draining. And what it sounds like what you did was kind of take us, take your foot off the gas and that year that you were over there kind of gave you a little more headspace and bandwidth to think about and strategize like, how can I create my next opportunity? Do you kind of view it that way? And what was your takeaway too from, you know, that first venture with the school that you kind of took with you into the, the, the future ventures? Uh yeah, I, I yeah, I think you're I think you're right. Giving getting the brain space to kind of take stock and then also then start to think and ponder and you know, like I'm privileged that I feel like a big part of my job is to be like a professional smart person. You know, like to to actually think up ideas. And that's that's a weird place to be in. But that's what I was doing. I know when once we kinda of got through that first message, I was just coming up with more ideas and then you kind of explore and think about what you can do and so um, that was a big part of, I think what led to then pushing forward and trying to open the school and trying to start that business. The, um, the business wasn't as successful as, as I know we had hoped it, and it was fine. It was doing great and it was, uh, but it wasn't excelling or accelerating at the same pace as I think we had hoped it would. And, um, I think, uh, maybe a takeaway on that is you know, from any kind of business perspective, like how are you going to get your clients, especially right. when they, if they don't know how to search for it, you know, if they don't know your product exists, they really can't do a search. And then you have to figure out other ways to educate them in order to bring them in, which was something that I, that hadn't really occurred to me because everybody like in, in South Korea, you know, there are thousands upon thousands of, of English schools like this, but right. none of them doing this type of angle, but nobody knows how to search for that. Like get my kid a high school diploma while I'm in South. That's not a search that anybody's doing. And that wasn't anything that occurred to me where if people don't know your product exists, then they don't know how to search for it. And if they don't, if they don't have to search for it, then you have to figure out how you're going to get in front of them uh, in either an offline setting or in some sort of tangential online approach. And that was a nut. I don't think we ever cracked very well. I think just because we were unprepared for it. Yeah, this is and beautiful. I don't, I don't think we even knew it was a problem at the time. Yeah, I think you're talking to a problem that millions of people have. We talk to so many entrepreneurs and they feel like they have this idea that they want to see if there's product market fit, but they don't know how to really do a test to get in front of people or to get any visuals on that. Can you kind of talk through sort of how you ended up figuring out the SEO solution and kind of how you apply that and recommend that? Maybe you can speak directly to our audience of like, if you have an idea and you you know want to figure out how to test it. Like, here's some recommendations I have for you. So the, 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 the fastest approach is to not do SEO, but to find like similar audiences, such as like an, a Facebook group where, you know, people that are in this group or something that I would be interested in this. And then I'd advertise to them. Uh, and I would, I create, I create audiences there. I think that's much better approach than anything an SEO can do, because again, if they don't know the terms, they, they cannot search. Yeah. And SEO is a little bit more of a long game. Think, right? And even like Google ads aren't going to be very effective there either, because if the, 
again, they have to search for those terms in order for you to show up. And targeting as it is within Google Ads, if they're not, you can't like target other terms. It, it's it's difficult to kind of get in front of an audience. And so if you're in the education standpoint of I need to teach people that this thing exists, um, that's where social media is actually probably your best bet. And then trying to get into groups that you know uh, would like this and try to advertise in front of them. But it's not, you know, that, um, that situation where you're telling somebody something brand new is never an easy way to to do it. The other approach would be to find an influencer. Uh, again, so somebody that's in front of that audience that has their attention, and then they can say, hey, by the way, did you know that this thing exists? And I really like it, and here's why I like it. So then that influencer marketing is also a really good, good way to go when you have to educate a group uh, that something exists. So SEO sounds like it's not actually, in your opinion, a great starting point. It's more of a turbocharger for scaling and growing once you've already established initial uh, demand and, and following. Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, and a really good approach too, when you're thinking about, um, you know, will, will anyone buy this <laughs> that kind of thing, uh, is to like, let's say they're at the point where they know this exists and they might search. That's where Google ads are great because within the Google ad, you can really test uh, messaging, you know, to people who like this title, will they click on it? And if they do, then you can then take that into our, an organic sense and create a page for it. You can also split test your copy on a landing page a lot easier before you're taking the time because one of the worst things ever is, you know, you spent $2,000 a month for six months to get to page one. And then you, when you get there, you realize nobody like money wants to buy this thing. <laughs> yeah. We, we can get all the traffic to this page, but if nobody converts, then what's the point? But you can spend a lot less money on Google ads at that point and um, figure out like, yeah, nobody's going to buy it this way or they're not going to buy it with this messaging and we need to find a different approach. So yeah, I would probably go education through social media, then I would test things out um, through Google ads, and then I would start investing uh, more heavily into SEO. And when, when did that um, when did that point sort of happen where you thought this idea really has legs? And then how far past that point did you say, all right, we're starting to hit, um, hit some big numbers here that this thing's going to go big? Uh, on the on the SEO side, like with the agency, the real kind of light bulb moment, like I think we've got something here, was when I realized that nobody was actually running Google te tests on Google's algorithm, uh, like 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 I was doing, like we were doing. You're like, oh man, this is an original idea. Oh my gosh, <laughs> <laughs> it was. You know, and then not to say that people hadn't run SEO tests before, which is not true. Right. And I'm sure people are doing something similar, but clearly the the vast majority of SEOs were not clued into this. And and even today, like running a test is not fun. It's um. So it's a lot of setup time. It's a lot of work. It takes a lot of creativity to figure out, you know, how to test something in the algorithm. And Google's always changing the algorithm. And things are going to change. And, yeah. and not just that too, but all, um, you might not get any results. So you do something, it's a three-month test, and you set it all up, and at the end, you got nothing to show for it. It's uh, wow. frustrating. And so it's easy to see why people don't do it. Um, but if you can commit to it, then that is, there's still plenty of room in this niche for, for SEOs to step in. But um, very few are, are willing to do it. I love that. I love the tweaking concepts to just keep kind of playing around with it and playing around with it. Um, and then uh, how exactly did this, uh, so you, we were talking about this latest exit that you had. How did that come to fruition? Were you uh, shopping it? Did someone come to you? Um, and how long had that company been around before you got to that phase? Uh, several years. I can't talk too much about it because of um, some NDA situations. But Of um, course, yeah. Uh using a broker is the way you want to go I, I, in my opinion um but 
when we when we met the the people that bought uh, the, the the company, um, one of the first things they said is, "Your broker is an asshole." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like you're right. He's negotiating that that hard on your behalf. My <laughs> ass. Um, and and uh, yeah, and you can see it though. Like our guy was very aggressive and um, easily made his commission. Like from where things started on the negotiation to where they ended up, um, I think they got ten percent plus a, a small monthly fee sort of a thing. And he made more than that 10% for sure. Uh, and then, um, and they're just things that I didn't know, especially going through my first thing. I'm, I didn't know how any of this was like, how do dil- how does due diligence work? How do you even like get before that? And like, uh, you know, you have your SIM, which everybody wants to see before, you know, your, your information pack, your marketing packet. I have no idea how to put that together, but they do. And that's, that's the point. I had that same problem. Yeah. My first merger and acquisition was exactly the same. It's just like, oh, what's the next thing? Or let me Google it and yeah. see exactly what we're going to go do in here. Yeah, exactly. The thing I can tell you for a fact on that situation too, is that lawyers kill deals. Don't, don't get your lawyer involved in any of the negotiation, figure out what you're going to do. And there's coming from an ex-lawyer <laughs> <laughs> and just tell the lawyer what you want, you know, but don't have them involved in, in the, in the, in the, if you want my humble opinion, that's how I would, I would do it all with the brokers and then get the lawyers in at the very end. Don't give them too much input or power in, in your deal. No. And they're so expensive too. So stay away. So speaking of power, um, you know, it's, it's, it's clear you're a, you're kind of a brilliant guy and outside the box thinker. Um, you know, it sounds like once you kind of did the lawyer thing for a while, did the school thing for a while, you stumbled into SEO. Once you realized the power of bringing, uh, bringing eyeballs in and, you know, really getting the marketing, um, to, to take a business and make it successful. What do you consider to be your superpower in business? Um, it sounds like, you know, marketing is, is obviously a big part of SEO. Um, I know you create a lot of content. You're huge on LinkedIn. What, what do you feel like, um, has propelled you to the, the place that you're at now? I always think I'm a terrible marketer, by the way. (laughs) I think I'm, I think I'm bad at it, but I surround myself with people that are good at it, which might be uh, one skill is, um, you know, a, a moment that I that I had in the agency was when the HR department fired me from hiring. They're like, you're, <laughs> you're, you're bad at this. <laughs> you know, at your own company? Yeah. After we had like a few unsuccessful hires, and they're like, you, you don't get to do this anymore. Don't be involved in this. And I was like, that's great. I don't want to be involved in it. And you're right. I, I am terrible at it. And so I love that honesty, like just realizing that people are better at some things than you and then letting them do it, you know, and give them the freedom to do it, the freedom to, um, to tell you how they're doing it. You know, like obviously in your company, you have to have some input here and there, but you, you should be surrounding yourself with people that in that particular task are better at it than you. And once you identify those people, you've got them then just, you need to let them do it and don't get in their way. And I think, um, so maybe that's a, a super, <laughs> Maybe I don't think I'm a humble person, but like, did you notice I didn't correct you when you, you, you were saying uh, how a smart person I am? I'm like, nah, okay. <laughs> this guy knows what he's talking about. I think I saw yeah. how happen. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. That's, that's a consistent theme. Consistent theme is, uh, yeah. Surrounding yourself with great people and letting them do what they do best and, and getting out of the way. Cause I think a lot of us entrepreneurs kind of can sometimes have a big ego you know this is my company this is my brand this is my name on the line i'm funding this thing and um you got to realize where your strengths and weaknesses lie and uh let uh the good people come in to to shore up those weaknesses for you 
and uh, and take your business to the next level. Um, one of the, you know, where we found you was, was LinkedIn. And, um, you know, I was looking at your page a little bit yesterday and, and, um, you know, I'm seeing, the, the SEO guru and I'm seeing all these followers and stuff. And I'm always curious when I see that, um, you know, did you kind of stumble into LinkedIn, like create your profile, just like the rest of us and start posting a couple things and like, Oh, people are listening to what I have to say. Or were you like, I see a, a an amazing opportunity here with LinkedIn to grow my profile. Uh, what was, what was that like for you? That was also getting a team. We have a marketing team, you know? Okay. You know, like, um, when you're kind of growing your business and you're like, Oh, I think we're a real company. Oh, I think we're a real company. Like, yeah, like have these like stages where you think, I think we might be a real thing. Um, a big one for me was, uh, when I could pay myself a salary that was, you know, and then gaining a client or losing a client didn't change the bottom line. That was a pretty big moment. But the other big moment I can think of is when we got a marketing team that we are a marketing company and now we actually have our own marketing team kind of cracked me up. I was like, that's like the most meta thing possible. Right. <laughs> but, but you know, um, you know, the, the cobbler's children have no shoes, you know, marketing agencies are often not marketing themselves and, and not doing a very good job at it. And, uh, my business partner identified that he is, he is the marketer of the team and he's also the operations t- type of guy. I'm, I've got my head in the clouds and he's the one that really says like, you know, that costs money to do. Maybe we should, you know, but at the same time he realized like, Hey, we need a marketing team. And something that we decided was that I would be the face of the company in terms of I'm going to go and speak at the conferences and I'm going to do the YouTube shows and the podcasts and stuff like that. And then in order to push that forward, um, we tried a bunch of different channels, but the one that really resonated the most was, was on LinkedIn. I didn't write one word of copy on that LinkedIn and in fact, you're just fact, the face. Really, Somebody's got to be the face. Right. They they always. I'm like, hey, look. Here's here's the pitch that I want to give. If you like what I'm talking about, you can find my stuff. Like that's 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 the thing. And they're like, could you just do a little more than that? You know, could you just <laughs> <laughs> we need more. Just a little bit would be great. And I I, I feel <laughs> so uncomfortable doing that. But after a while, I just realized, you know what? They know what they're doing. I'm just gonna let it go and. And, um, so I do get like a final say on post, but I don't have much say on the lead into anything other than I can kind of veto something if it's, if it's too cringy for me, but it's so funny. I looked at your LinkedIn profile and you have that picture of you doing your presentation. And I was actually listening to a podcast last week and they were saying like, all right, if you're just starting out and you want to look like an expert in something, just find a chart behind you go and stand and look like you're doing a presentation. No one will know if there's anyone in the room or not. Just have someone take a picture of you, put that as your LinkedIn profile. And it's funny, I saw that last week and then I saw your thing and I was like, oh, look, he does look like an expert. This is so genius. You know, to that end though, I can tell you when I definitely moved into like expert status was the first time I was on stage. And there's there's something like my ideas are not any different before or after the stage. But going on stage has that level of like, like this, you know, company that's putting on this uh, whole conference thinks that this person is is stage worthy, and that value raised to your own personal brand is massive. And then you can call up the next conference, and say like, hey, this conference had me on, and that's a value. And then they, other than they, right, put you on. There is something. I guess if, if initially you need to fake it, I would go ahead and fake it. But but otherwise, if you can actually get on stage, it is really huge if you're trying to raise your personal brand. And the other, the other reason that we did is we identified that in all of our companies, 50% of our leads come from me speaking, come wow. from me doing the, these shows and are being on stage. 
And so um, we realized it was a very important part of our marketing strategy to get me out there. And um, I think anybody could do that. It just, it's a long lead time. Uh, I would say you need probably years worth of content before you actually have a steady stream coming in. But once you have it, it is because people sold themselves. They've seen what you talk about. They've seen all your stuff. They've searched you and you can see all the videos on podcasts and all that. And by the time they come to you, they're speaking your language. You know, they right. know your concepts and they, it's really just getting them across the finish line, which is much easier lead than any other lead you'll play with. I get the sense that you're kind of a reluctant superstar, Kyle. Oh, I, I eat it up. Don't get me wrong. I just, <laughs> <laughs> but I what just I was going like to say, like but, I, but I've noticed a little bit with some of our um, guests uh, on this podcast that have a good online presence and personal brand is they talk about when they first got on stage or when they first started getting some traction online, whether it be LinkedIn, Instagram, whatever, that they felt kind of uh, uncomfortable initially. And, you know, they weren't necessarily the type of person that's like, let me put my face, blast my face out all over the internet. A lot of them are people that are just like, yeah, I gave it a try, you know, and it, it just, it, it felt a little weird and, and I pushed through that. And then now it's like second nature. And now I can go on these stages and feel comfortable. Now I can, you know, speak in front of people and make all these little short reels and stories and stuff online. And it's really interesting. I think that, um, you know, I think a lot of people get the sense that all these people are just natural extroverts and that, you know, they've been doing this their whole life and they were born to do it. And it's not, it, in a lot of cases, it's not that. No, I don't, I don't think I'm an extrovert. Yeah. Um, my doctor doesn't think I'm an extrovert. <laughs> she thinks that I'm an introvert and all this behavior is compensation for how much of an introvert that I am, actually. So, <laughs> look into my psychosis there for you. I love that. One, one of the things that I thought was super interesting as we were doing the background research on you, um, we were obviously getting a little taste on uh, learning about SEO also, but I was wondering if you could talk a little bit for our audience about how much you guys are implementing AI and how much you feel AI is going to change the SEO business in the next few years? I think AI, so in the decade plus that I've been doing SEO, um, uh, every year SEO has died. <laughs> right. something, is, something has killed SEO. It's actually probably every six months. And <laughs> hearing that AI in February of this year was going to kill SEO was nothing new to me. And you know we're filming this in September and somehow SEO hasn't died yet. And so I, I don't think it will die either. There could be small changes here and there, but as long as there is an algorithm, then there will be optimization of that algorithm. There will be SEO. The only time we're in trouble is if it's like humans, they're actually just sorting the results. But otherwise, if it's a computer that's doing that, and even if it's AI driven, there will still be optimization. What I see happening especially in terms of SEO, is that I think we're going to have two kind of search results. We'll have the results that we have now, and then there will be an enhanced set where information will be pulled out of those. So let's say the 10 results you get on a, on a normal page one. Though that'll happen. And then there'll be a, an enhanced area that will um, be shaped to your preferences, like the way that you want data presented to you or things of interest to you, and the AI can probably learn that through your behavior. And you can also probably tell it that as well. So that's just going to be like an enhanced area around the normal search. What that tells me is that just means that there's not one optimization opportunity. That means there's two opportunities because it's one to show up, say in that top 10, but then you want to have it set up so that the AI can pull out the right information and put it into that enhanced area. 
And if there's two levels of op- optimization, that tells me there's just more work to be done for an SEO. So I see it as opportunity. It's nothing that scares me. And in these situations, people freak out. Like this, this happens all the time. Something like this, like uh, what seems to be a big change will happen. And I noticed in those situations, we have a glut of people providing services or people owning websites or trying to do online business. What happens is a lot of them leave and there's this uh, contraction. And in that situation, then the people that are able to pivot or tweak and, and, and adapt to whatever this new form of optimization is, they make a lot of money. And I see this right now as a real money-making opportunity for people that uh, can see what's going on and then just make mild adjustments to it. Because that's all it's going to be. It's going to be little adjustments here and there to your game plan. And uh, otherwise, um, staying the course, I think, can be very profitable right now if you're in the SEO game. I love that. Just evolve with the technology. And, and realize it's not going to be, it's not a 180. Like we're not killing, right. it's just, it's like uh, this much change. And that's all it's, that's all these things are going to be. Yeah. That was a really great explanation. I love that. Uh, one of the questions that we ask all of the guests on the show is how would you personally define entrepreneurship? The ability to make money. I think, um, I think if you're not making money, you're not an entrepreneur. Um, I was talking with a good friend of mine here in town and he was saying, we were talking about what if SEO died tomorrow? What if all of a sudden this AI stuff does it? And he had a really good point that I liked. It was, you know, we haven't learned how to do SEO to make money. We've learned how to make money online. And SEO is that vehicle for us that's the main driver. But if that all goes away, we still know how to make money online. And there will be opportunities. So I'm not overly stressed about that, that all of a sudden our jobs are gone and we're going to have to, you know, (laughs) go back to being a lawyer or, you know, you know, start farming out here in, in Thailand. Yeah. I don't think that's, if, if this is, this all goes away, I, I think we have figured out how to make money online and we'll find whatever the new path is. And that's what an entrepreneur can do. You know, the formula. As long as you're making money. If you're not making money though, then, then it's not. <laughs> For those out there that want to follow in Kyle's footsteps and learn how to make money online, Obviously, it's a new landscape today than it was 10 years ago. But like you said, it just they keep predicting every six months that SEO is going to die. But for those that you know want to come into this industry and one day go on their own with some form of a SEO company, what, what, what initial steps do you recommend? I know already you've said, you know, go to the Facebook group, um, find that, that community to kind of get your uh, product in front of some people who already kind of have some familiar, familiarity. Um, any other little tips there that for people starting out that they can consider? Yeah. All online businesses. I feel like yeah, all you said you, yeah, you have the formula. What's, what's the secret sauce? Um, worrying about SEO and thinking about SEO and doing SEO are all different things and you have to do it. You have to get in and you have to grind and, and really get it done. It's one thing to know it. Now I know how to do that, but it's quite another when you sit down and actually do it for the first time. And it'll change how you approach all of that. So if you want to get into the SEO game, like if you want to do an agency, which I still think is a very viable business model to jump into today, uh, you need to go and do it because you have to learn how to do those things. And so doing it is, is, is the absolute best way. The other thing I would toss out though is um, I would think about the thing that you want Um whether that is a, a certain type of business or um, or clients, you know, a certain type of client. Think about what you want and think about the people that are doing it. And then you want to go to that place and be present. 
you know, because as soon as people want to do a partnership or a JV or they've got a referral they want to pass out or um, something along those lines is going on, the, the first people they, they turn to are the people around them. You know, that, that's, that's, that's the first in that, in that circle near them are the first people they're going to go to. And in order for you to get those opportunities, you need to be there and, and be in that place. And so, you know, for me, as, as we talked about, that was a big thing was for them, for me was moved to Chiang Mai. I know that there are more SEOs in Phoenix, but there isn't the same community, uh, in Phoenix as there is in Chiang Mai. And as something that I mentioned, I wanted to do a big exit. I wanted to have my first multi-million dollar exit and I knew people in Chiang Mai are doing that. And I knew that I could get access to them and I could be involved in that community. I could be present there. And, uh, and then I was able to do that last year. And so I, I highly recommend like, think about where the thing is that you want and then get yourself there. And I think you can be very, very successful if you do that. That's so wise. Yeah. I think once again, this is a, a common theme that we hear from our guests is get in front of who you think your customers are yeah. and they'll tell you whether or not they're your customer, right? Uh, you may think that they, that you know what they want, uh, but just getting around them and getting their feedback, that's the real piece of the puzzle that you have to solve is, are you meeting a need? And they'll tell you pretty quickly whether or not that's what you are providing or if you need to tweak or if you need to just re, you know start all over. So I think that's really, really good advice. And even even if it's just like, I want to start my first business, you know, like I want to be an entrepreneur. Are you around entrepreneurs? You know, where are the entrepreneurs that are doing the thing that you want to do? They are somewhere for sure. I mean, they, they exist in time and space somewhere. Right. I would find out where that is and I would get myself there and I'd be around them, hear their thoughts. What do they think about? What are they talking about? What do they worry about? What would they change? What would they do? What are they doing? What is, you know, like those kind of questions and those are just things that people talk about naturally. But when you're around that and listening to that, that's going to then give you ideas. It's going to give you perspective. It's going to give you knowledge. And then I think it'll help you get to that thing that you want to do. I love that. Kyle, this has been awesome. Thanks for sharing your story with us. We all have such different paths to finding our freedom. And I love how your path brought you to a bunch of different countries and changing industries and tweaking and pivoting. Uh, it was super interesting and engaging. I think our audience is going to love it. So thanks so much for sharing with us. Thanks, Peter. This is a lot of fun. I appreciate it. If uh, people want to reach out to you, where should we be directing them? Uh, KyleRoof.com. That's the easiest one. All the links to all my stuff are there. And just know that once you get caught up in Kyle's web, there's no escape. You're not getting <laughs> don't, out. Don't, don't click on any ads. <laughs> it's a sticky web. It's a sticky web. Well, I'm excited to go down the rabbit hole of your uh, funnels, Kyle. Thanks so much, brother. Thanks, Kyle. Being an entrepreneur is hard. That's why we created findyourfreedompod.com to compile all the resources you need to find your own freedom. Freedom. 